HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. listening to Let's Get Real on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Erica Wides, your host, and I'm back yet again. Sorry for the short hiatus. I need time to work on things. You want quality shows, right? Not quantity. So just let me take my time. But this is an all new show tonight. Brand new show. So um, if you think about summer, think about the shape of summer. What shape would it be? I think that summer's a triangle. If you think about it, summer really has three distinct points. It's, it's triangular in nature, in its shape. It's a semi-equilateral triangle, actually, which other than isosceles was the only kind that I could remember the name for. I actually had to look it up. That's how long it's been. I had to look up what kind of triangle it was. But if you think about summer like that, like a triangle, like a non-equal, semi-equilateral triangle, one point is Memorial Day, and then one point is July 4th, and then the third one is Labor Day. Three points. Summer has three points, and that describes the shape of it. Three major holidays stationed around a big triangle full of hot, humid air, and this year, rainy, also air. So summer starts out on Memorial Day, which really, Memorial Day should be a serious, solemn holiday, right? I mean, we're remembering our war dead and, and all that. But instead, we use it as an excuse to, like, go swim in the freezing cold outdoor pool for the first time of the season. Or go shopping for a new mattress on Memorial Day. And then we start dreaming of all the summery fun and activities that are going to be coming up that we have in store for us. And all those fun activities 
that we'll never actually get around to doing, really, because all we do is work like a dog, teaching at a cooking school and producing a weekly radio show and trying to get press for it and shopping it to networks, and it it just never ends. It just never ends. But all those sum- fun, summery, kind of fantasy things that I always think about, like, oh, this will be the summer that I pickle or that I make my own strawberry jam or that I finally get around to reading Gone with the Wind... Or I'll consolidate all my email addresses and my Twitter feed and I'll be like super streamlined, organized onto one device. Because then all of a sudden it's July 4th and now it's getting hotter and strawberry season is over and now it's way too hot out to boil water for those pickle jars. And I'd really rather just read The New Yorker or even my Facebook page or an ebook on my iPad than sit down with an 800-page novel of Southern goth and I haven't even been to the beach yet and it's been raining every weekend and my glycolic peels make my face sensitive to the sun but it doesn't matter because it's been raining and there are stink bugs all over my tomatoes and tourists all over my neighborhood and people getting in my way when I'm rushing to Zumba and if Chris complains about the High Line and the tourists ruining his neighborhood one more time I'm going to scream and before you get a chance to wipe the sweat off of your brow and peel the sun damage off your face and look up there's Labor Day And that's it. And the looming disappointment of yet another unfulfilling summer come and gone under your belt, bearing down on you. And Labor Day with its serious celebrations of organized labor and the triumph of the worker and the progress of the proletariat and all that. And then it's back to school shopping and all that back to school cheeriness. And even the thought of going back to school still gives me a cold knot of anxiety and anxious anticipation in my stomach, even though it's been 23 years since I graduated from college. 23 years. Do the math. And the desperate, sad feeling that yet another summer is about to pass, and I didn't go to Maine, and I didn't go to the ocean, and I didn't go to any of the free movies in the park, or any of the free concerts, and I didn't read a classic, or make peach pies, or any of the other things that I feel inadequate about. And now all the stores have Halloween candy on sale. And at the dollar store, I already saw Christmas stuff in August. And as horrible as all that is, now we have six months to face of cold, damp, Arctic winds, during which we'll just dream about summer again and warm weather and all the summery things that we're going to do next time around because things will be different next year. Just like I thought last year. And the year before, and just like I'll think next year. And that's just how it is. It all goes around three points of a triangle. And here I am, bouncing around inside of that triangle, trying to squeeze out the last few weeks of summer. And it's not all that bad. It's not all that bad. But I'm running out, you know, I'm running out of the corners. I'm running out of corners to hide in, is what I'm saying. Like, sometimes you can hide. You can say, well, I still have a couple of months left. I still have Labor Day. And I'm having all my usual regrets about not doing all the stuff that I always think I should be doing instead of concentrating on the fact that I've been hiking in the mountains every single weekend and cooking my favorite fish, which is mackerel, on my grill every single weekend and drinking Buchanan's, which are my favorite drink, which I invented and which are all perversely exactly the things that I want to be doing. And I'm having a great time and I've actually had a really, really great summer and it's been amazing. But I still always think I should be doing something else. Now, just so you know, it's, it's really not easy to be me because of things like that. I know you all think that my life is just all fun and jokes and internet radio superstardom. 
but it's not. If you will refer to my job description in the first two minutes of the show, you'll see. Not all fun and games and radio superstardom. So that last corner, that last corner of the summer triangle, it's here. It's right upon us. It's very near. It's this weekend. It's Labor Day already. It's your last chance to do those summery things that you've been meaning to do but haven't done. Like have a picnic or a barbecue or a roof party or even a a stoop party, an old school New York stoop party. If you can get past all the baby strollers that are now blocking up the sidewalks in your neighborhood, you know who I'm talking about. But lucky for me, this weekend I am getting out of town. I am leaving. I did not plan a summer vacation this year because I knew I would be going to Pasadena. I'm going to a wedding. My cousin Steve is getting married in Pasadena, and we are going out there for five days for his four-day, yes, four-day swanky wedding extravaganza. Four events planned for this wedding. The rehearsal dinner, the welcome party, the actual wedding, and the brunch. Four events. It's a wedding extravaganza. It's not just a vaganza. It's an extravaganza. Four days. It's like we're from India. Like we're a bunch of, you know, rich Indians having a four-day wedding instead of like a bunch of nerdy Jews from the East Coast, you know. Or like we're auditioning for Bridezillas or something like that. And I'm really excited because having worked for many, many, many years in restaurants and for caterers and in special events, I have been on the backside of an hors d'oeuvre tray thousands of times in my career. But I never really get to be on the front side of that hors d'oeuvre tray. So I really, really, really like going to other people's parties and especially other people's catered events because I don't really get to go to many of them. And I don't really get invited to that many parties, mostly because I was always working during other people's parties. And so in the planning of this mega event, this mega wedding, my cousin... Steve consulted with me a few times. He called me up. We talked. Needed some consultation. Now, of course, I didn't charge him for the consulting. I wouldn't do that. I mean, I may be Jewish, but he's family. You know, I'm not going to charge him. It's part of his wedding present, actually. So it's still calculated, but I'm not doing it at a complete loss. Anyway, he wanted some advice on the food, of course. So we talked about food. I gave him a few ideas I reached out to my extended network and I asked people for ideas about caterers in L.A. because I don't really know L.A. very well. Got some good advice, passed it along to him. They're very happy with their choices. Now, times have really, really changed. Times have changed here in the U.S. of A. I mean, now Mormons can run for president. Gays can get married. But not if a Mormon is president. We can socialize and be alone at the same time. Reality is no longer reality. It's just another show. You can rewind your TV. Do you ever imagine you could rewind your TV? And Bruce Jenner looks like an aging drag queen instead of a decathlon champion. Times have changed. And we also have an enormous choice now when it comes to food. Enormous choices that we didn't have 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. Things We couldn't get. Now, if Steve had been planning this wedding, let's say, 30 or 40 or 50 years ago, like let's say it was his parents' wedding or my parents' wedding, both of which ended in divorce, by the way, so we can't say much for them. 
But if this wedding had been 30, 40, 50 years ago, you would probably have just served your guests beef. Beef was dinner. Beef was what you ate. Americans like beef. And most likely you would have served a nice, thick, marbled slab of prime rib. Prime rib was party food. Very fatty, juicy, mm, nice and rare. Served au jus. Prime rib. Maybe with some, like, twice-baked stuffed cheesy potato... Maybe with some frozen cream spinach from the caterer. You know, done. That's it. That's what people eat. No choices, no options. Beef was what you served for events. And everybody ate it. And no questions were asked. There were no vegetarians back then, for sure. And if there were, we weren't going to invite those commies to our wedding. Your cousins, Julius and Ethel, they can't come. Sorry. And the more marbled and the more full of fat that that meat was, the Better. I mean, that's what people wanted. That was class. That was putting on a good party. Nice, big, thick, marbled slab of prime rib, followed by a nice, big wedge of buttery, fluffy wedding cake. Mazel tov! We'll see you at the bris. We'll be serving bagels and lox and a big chopped liver foreskin sculpture. So we will see you in a year. Now, if this wedding had been, say, 20 years ago, not 30, 40, 50 years ago, but 20 years ago, 20 years ago, you know, was only the early 90s. It's a little bit scary. You'd still have had a dinner, of course, and maybe you would have offered your guests a choice, and the choice probably would have been something more like filet mignon, filet mignon, the chicken breast of beef, or maybe some salmon. But there would still no be any talk or concept of, what that cow or what that fish had had as its last meal, you would have just assumed that it was okay. And you would have had vegetarians coming at this point. The vegetarians probably would have gotten the side dishes, like the little tiny baby vegetables that were classy 20 years ago. And they would have been steamed and maybe served with some pasta. That would have been the swanky, classy thing to do. Those were the classy options back then. Baby vegetables, salmon, filet along with painting everything in your house beige and voting for Bush Sr. or living in a community with a gate around it. That was the classy thing to do 20 years ago. Maybe you would have served chicken. But if you had served chicken, you would have been worried that you would have come across as looking cheap. You know, serving chicken makes you look cheap. Now, one of my older cousins had a kosher wedding probably about 20, 25 years ago. And I remember we were served capon. You know what a capon is? Brace yourself. A capon is a castrated rooster. Sorry, boys. They take the rooster, they snip off his grapes, and then that rooster becomes very tender and fatty. Doesn't a castrated rooster seem like sort of a weirdly, oddly fitting meal for a wedding, in a way? Of course, you know, today's impotence-inducing antidepressants take care of that. We don't need to worry about that. And then again, we have artificial insemination and we have cashed in 401k accounts and that's what makes babies happen, really. So who needs actual sex anymore? Anyway. And then we have Steve's wedding. Now, at Steve's wedding this weekend, we actually have three choices because now things are much more complicated. You see where I'm going with this? Much more complicated. We have three choices. You don't have to do this, but... These are lovely, generous people, and they want to make everybody happy. So 
Three choices. Here are our three choices. When the invitation came, this beautiful invitation came, we were given a choice. Adventurous carnivore, bold vegetarian, or conservative carnivore. And you had to pick from one of those. Now, the adventurous carnivore menu, I know because we talked about it in advance, has things like venison, tartare on it, and lamb's tongues. Not really, but things like that. Adventurous carnivore. And it's all like a big secret and a big surprise. So the adventurous people don't get scared and lose their sense of adventurousness. Someness. The bold vegetarian has all kinds of local seasonal California in-your-face produce and non-wheat grain selections. It is California. The produce better be freaking amazing. And then the conservative carnivore probably has the safe, reliable chunk of meat and potatoes for the older folks. And also there's a lot of people from Indiana coming. We got to take care of them. And the entire wedding is gluten-free. Not because it's like a trendy thing to do now, but because my cousins betrothed his lovely fiance and her mother both have celiac disease and she was diagnosed basically at birth. So it's not like she suddenly invented celiac disease like a lot of people claim they have now. She really has it. Now, that's another modern characteristic to the menu that you have to adjust to people's allergies, special needs issues. In our day, no, not really, in our parents' day, Nobody had diseases related to food. You drank three dirty martinis before dinner. You complimented the help on the roast beef, and you passed out in front of Johnny Carson. It was a simpler time back then. And to top it all off, there are some members of our family who are kosher also. So they have to eat too, I guess. They have to be fed. And then there's nothing for orthorexics like me to eat, of course. Now, I... I ordered the adventurous carnivore. Actually, we got one adventurous carnivore and one vegetarian. We're just going to share because it all sounds really good. But because orthorexics don't eat anything, because nothing is safe enough to eat, so nothing on the menu for orthorexics is actually ever appropriate. But I'm not a full-fledged orthorexic, as I've talked about here. I am always willing to make exceptions. And for this wedding, I will certainly make an exception. I'm looking forward to the food because the last big family wedding we had, which also ended in divorce, was a very big swanky wedding with no food, and we all got really drunk because we were so hungry and went back to the hotel and ate pizza. So we're looking forward to a big feeding here, big feed. So anyway, four events, right? Four events, three dinners and a brunch, three options, plus gluten-free and kosher. Oh, and there are also probably some good vegans going to be there too, I'm sure, because it is L.A., of course, for Christ's sake. It's L.A., and in L.A., it's okay to have fake boobs, but it's not okay to eat a steak, apparently. Now, our one vegan cousin isn't coming because he's in a federal work camp <coughs> prison for allegedly burning down a lab where they tested shampoo on rats. And I'm sure he's enjoying the vegan options at the federal work camp <coughs> prison that he's in. And we will surely miss him and his new boyfriend, Tyrone, this weekend in Pasadena. So anyway, back to the triangle. Remember the triangle? The triangle of summer. Metaphor. You see how the wedding meal options have triangularly bounced around over the last half century also? We've triangulated from the, here's your obligatory slab of nice fatty beef. This is America. It's what we eat. It's still kind of expensive back here in the 60s and 70s, but we want to look classy. So everybody enjoy. Two, 
Here's a choice of entrees because it's the 80s and 90s and now we're all fat phobic and everybody wants the salmon and now it's farmed salmon. So it's cheap, but we still need to offer beef too because Grandpa and Uncle Melvin refused to eat fish because they were POWs in Japan. And Grandpa helped pay for the Princess Diana dress that the bride insisted upon having, which is actually a good design choice for her because those gigantic puffy sleeves are actually hiding her upper arms, which have been getting really fat lately, despite all that lean cuisine she's been eating and all the diet soda she drinks and all those fat-free potato chips that just came out and all that sugar-free jello that she eats for dessert. And we really can't figure out why she's getting so fat, even though she's eating all that stuff. And we all have to eat the fish or the lean beef because we've been told by our doctors to avoid animal fats like the plague because we'll all get really high cholesterol and drop dead of a heart attack. But don't worry, because the dessert buffet is made with all the non-fat dairy creamer and fat-free Cool Whip and Sweet and Low, and it has Snackwell's cookies, and there's also a pasta station, so you can eat all the pasta you want because I told the caterer to only use low-fat cheese in the Alfredo sauce. I guess the 90s were not a simpler time when it came to food, but the point is you couldn't rewind the TV. Only teenagers actually talked on the phone all day, and you had to be in the same room with someone to socialize. And that brings us back to Steve's wedding, where we are now in the second decade of the 21st century, and an enlightened wedding menu in L.A. has to be gluten-free and catered to vegans and the koshers and the adventurous and the timid and the in-betweeners from Indiana and the orthorexics, albeit by default. I'll be fine. And it has to be organic and sustainable and local and fair trade and small plated and a moose bouched and something has to be pickled and there has to be a farm egg on there somewhere and also some kind of goat product. That's a modern wedding. It's what you got to do. Except it really isn't. You can serve whatever the hell you want at your wedding. It's your wedding. And like I said, it's extremely generous and thoughtful of Steve and Christine to offer all of this and for her parents to host it and make sure that everyone is so well taken care of. And I think it's going to be amazing and delicious. And I'm actually really excited to go out there and see my whole mishpacha and have fun in L.A. But you see my point, right? We're going to take a quick break when we come back more about the triangle of summer. We'll be right back. Leave me alone and don't look back. Just circles on the map. Just circles on the Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Back by popular demand, Whole Foods Market Picnic returns to Summer Streets this August. Stop by the picnic at 24th and Park Avenue on Saturday, August 4th, 11th, and 18th. Our Whole Foods Market team will be serving delicious samples, and our inspiring wellness club team will be there too. And you can meet and eat with some of our amazing vendors, both from the local area and beyond. We'll be there each Saturday from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m., and we hope you will, too. Welcome back to Let's Get Real on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Erica Wides, your host. Okay, I have a couple of announcements to make before we get back into our Triangles of Summer discussion. The first is that... Roberta's and Heritage Radio Network are having a party and you are invited. It is a members only party. You know that now Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit. We are member supported 
and we need you to join, become a member, and come to our party. Our party is on September 9th. It's from 5 to 8. It's at Roberta's in the beautiful backyard of Roberta's. There's going to be all kinds of crazy good food and drinks and music and all that stuff. And if you use a special code, you can get $50 off the regular ticket price. The regular ticket price is $150, but you use a special code, which is get real, and that gives you $50 off. And for 100 bucks, you get all of that plus... You automatically become a member of Heritage Radio Network.org, which then entitles you to all sorts of riches and discounts beyond your wildest imagination, like a discount at the Heritage Meat Shop at the Essex Street Market and a discount at Saxelby Cheesemongers and all kinds of amazing things. So what are you waiting for? So here's what you do to get tickets for this. You go to Heritage Radio Network dot Eventbrite. Dot com and that's eventbrite b r i t e so heritage radio network dot eventbrite b r i t e dot com and you use the code get real then they'll know that you are my listeners and you are doing this because you heard it straight from me straight from the orthorexic mouth so get your tickets i will be there you can meet me imagine that live in person you can meet me i can meet you we can talk about the show. So that's September 9th, 5 to 8, here at Roberta's, heritageradionetwork.eventbrite.com. Use the code GETREAL. You get 50 bucks off. It's actually a really good deal when you think about it because it includes a membership. Did I mention that? Okay. So also, don't forget that you can follow me on Twitter at Let's Get Real Show. Yeah, at Let's Get Real Show. You can also find me on Facebook. Let's get real on Facebook. Please become a follower of me or friend me on Facebook. And you can always listen to any of my shows that I've ever done on let's get real show.com. You can also watch the video that I shot of my little TV show pilot that I'm now trying to sell. If you know anyone who wants to buy a really funny TV show, let them know. You can also listen to any Heritage Radio Network show ever on iTunes and also on heritageradionetwork.org. They're all there. So you really have no excuse for not listening to us all your waking hours of the day, basically. Okay, so back to summer. We were talking about how summer is a triangle, and the triangle is made up of the three major holidays. The three major holidays of summer. Remember? That's what we were talking about before we took a break. So I was trying to remember as I was putting the show together what I actually did over Memorial Day, and I could not. It was so long ago. It feels like it was seven minutes ago. I probably just hung out upstate at my little teeny tiny bungalow, which is what I've been doing every weekend of the summer, which is great. I probably took a hike. I probably grilled some mackerel and drank a Buchanan or an IPA, and that was good. But while I was there, I probably thought about other people's parties and barbecues and expensive beach houses and what they were all doing and felt inadequate. The usual summer weekend. But then came the 4th of July. Now, this year, we got screwed on the 4th of July by the calendar because the 4th fell on a Wednesday. And if you're a working stiff like me, you know we only got one day off. So with no long weekend upon us to go to the country or at the beach, we just stayed in the city for that Wednesday. We had that one lousy day off in the middle of one of the most sweltering heat waves we've had this summer in a summer of sweltering heat waves. Now, lucky for me, 
I managed to get invited to a sort of barbecue slash potluck picnic in Prospect Park here in Brooklyn, organized by my friend Kristen Wortman, who is also a writer, a food writer and a nutritionist and very progressively minded nutritionist, I might add, and the co-founder of Occupy Big Food. Kristen has been on this show. Let's Get Real loves her. And Chris and I actually plan to take her with us into TV land or web series stardom when it happens or both. And we hope that she's a good sport about it and doesn't mind wearing wigs and costumes and playing with props. We haven't really told her that part yet. Anyway, so Kristen invited us to her party in the park and she said to bring a dish at the potluck and that also they'd be grilling. And we said, great. We would all hang out in the park. We would sweat because it was like 98 degrees and tropically humid, but There'll be lots of beer. Come on down. Now, I know that Kristen and her husband are Park Slope food co-op members, but not in an annoying way or anything like a lot of food co-op members. But they take their food as seriously as I do. And I just assume their circle of friends were going to be in that same crowd. So I was expecting some pretty good food. And I also knew that I was going to have to produce. So I went into my freezer and I pulled out a pack of heritage pork riblets. Riblets are the little pieces of meat kind of in between the ribs. They're like little tips, basically, that I had gotten as a little gift here one day at the radio station. Sometimes they just give us meat. It's nice. It's like a little tip. And I'd had them in the freezer, and I'd been wanting to use them. So I threw together like a spice rub, and I rubbed them down, and then I put them in the oven with some beer, covered it up, and I just braised the crap out of them for like two hours and basically the pork just melted down into this like thick spicy tangle of like hyper porky flavor pretty delicious and I'm telling you that if that had been the final test on chopped I would have won and you know how much winning reality show competitions actually does for your career right anyway so we packed that up in the cooler with a bunch of beers and a big giant bowl of cabbage slaw that I made to go with pork. Because if you're having like pulled pork, you have to have slaw, right? It's a, it's a rule. Now, what's 4th of July without a good slaw, right? But this wasn't your basic mayo and white cabbage slaw. Oh, no, no, my friends. You see, the problem is being a chef and an international radio superstar, there is a level of expectation that you encounter when you're cooking for other people, You can't just bring a pile of shredded white cabbage slopped with some mayo. You have to bring, like, artisanal slaw. So this was red and green cabbage with carrots and scallions and some fancy pants apple cider vinegar that I probably took from work and grapeseed oil and all that super elitist Brooklyn foodie locavore overachiever kind of stuff that people expect from me. Although, actually, it would have been pretty freaking funny if I had showed up at this Park Slope barbecue potluck with a plastic bucket of coleslaw from Pathmark and a bucket of chicken from KFC. That would have been pretty funny, especially if I had played dumb, like, what? What? What's wrong with this? Funny to me, that is, given that the kind of Park Slope Food Co-op real food fanatics crowd kind of have no sense of humor, but that actually would have made it even funnier, in a way. So anyway, we get to the park, and of course, we're the first ones there because Adam and I are both pathologically prompt people. You know, these days with everybody texting and tweeting, it's really hard to be on time. And being on time has, I think, become a character flaw in a way. Or 
it's inappropriate or antiquated at the very least. It's twee. Being on time is twee and precious. So Kristen and Brian are already there and they're setting up their little grill and we drink some beer and we hang out and we sweat and we go into the bushes to pee because there's no bathroom nearby and we celebrate our independence from Britain because you know how important that is now to all of us. And everybody else begins to arrive and they set their food down on the picnic blanket and then enough people get there that we can start eating. And now I don't want to be crude here. Although, that's never really stopped me before. So I guess I do actually mean to be crude, or maybe I just mean to be real, which is usually crude. But it was like the biggest, Brooklyniest, park slopiest, enlightened, food co-op, liberal, elite, circle jerk you've ever been to or read about on Michael Pollan's blog. If you've been to one of these, this was the biggest one ever. If not, you're like... Chris, my co-producer and publicist who has roof parties where his menu includes painkillers and cigarettes. So let me describe it. There were deviled eggs being served. So retro and charming. I mean, who doesn't love a deviled egg? But these were from pastured farm-raised hens, all good by me, bought at the co-op and made with Empire Mayonnaise. Brooklyn's own artisanal small batch mayonnaise. Seriously. Mayo. Somebody is making and selling mayo now in Brooklyn. Artisanal mayonnaise. And they were some damn good deviled eggs, I must admit. I probably ate about six or ten of them over the course of the day. And then, of course, there were my heritage pork riblets. were extremely delicious. And my slaw. And then there was more pork. There was pastured pork tenderloins on the grill and organic zucchini and local microbrews. And there was some Turkish woman there who had way too much lipstick on, but she made a really good potato salad. With, of course, local potatoes from the Grand Army Plaza Green Market. It was like a parody of a parody. It was like an episode of Portlandia, but they take a trip to Brooklyn. It was Brooklandia. But it was all delicious and amazing, and everybody had a great time, and everybody loved it, and everybody was happy and drank beer and sweated, and we didn't move from that spot until after dark. And it was the best 4th of July I have ever had given that they have all been disappointments to one degree or another throughout my life. But this was a great party. Yet again, people being very generous with food. It was like the come de garçon of 4th of July picnic food. It looked like traditional non-elite picnic food, but was in fact totally super elite Alice Waters Ivory Tower real picnic food. I'll explain the come de garçon analogy shortly. Oh, and I just remembered what I did for Memorial Day. It actually came to me. On Memorial Day, I went out to a nameless relative's home. I can't say any names here. I don't want to get in trouble. But this relative lives in one of the New York City suburbs. And we went there for an afternoon by the pool and the grill. And when we go there, it's always kind of like the mega pack of supermarket ground beef and the big links of industrial kielbasa and tubs of that disgusting, nasty supermarket deli macaroni salad, which I think is just a really repulsive excuse for food, and I don't even understand why it exists. But they always make way, way, way too much food because it's such cheap industrial food, and I always eat too much of it because I don't want to look like the food elite snob that I am, but then I hate myself for doing it. But I'm just trying to be polite, so sometimes I'll eat an industrial hamburger because sometimes they taste really good especially when they're cooked on the grill and there's a lot of ketchup around and potato chips and maybe sometimes I'll even eat a real hot dog. 
And some of that deli potato salad and lemonade that's from frozen concentrate, not powder. And strawberry shortcake made with whipped cream from a can. But at least it's not Cool Whip and supermarket angel food cake. And all served not ironically. No irony. So, like, say if you were a huge media chef superstar and the John Stewart of food. That would be me. And you got invited to John Waters' house in Baltimore for Memorial Day barbecue. And he's wearing the Comme des Garçons clothing which is designed to actually look like trash from the Salvation Army reject bin, but is really haute couture and very expensive. He would no doubt serve trashy food like that, but he would serve it ironically. Now, as I say, there was no irony here. And that's a scary place to be for a post-post-modern Jew like me, of course. Sometimes it's hard for me to function out of the realm of irony. Sometimes you have to just give in to trashy American food. Because it's a holiday, and it's just like what we ate at barbecues growing up in the 70s. And there's a lot to be said about the nostalgia value of food. And even though it's trashy, it's still real food. But then in the 80s, I talk about the 80s a lot. It all changed. It was farm salmon at weddings and turkey burgers at barbecues, or even worse, veggie burgers or boca burgers made from soy filler and foodiness meat doppelgangers. And I used to eat all of that. So did Chris. We both used to eat all of that stuff. I stopped a long time ago. I had to train him. Or even worse, grilled, skinless, boneless chicken breasts. Remember those? Ugh. Grilled to like a Birkenstock-like level of doneness. And tofu hot dogs and crystallite flavored water and fat-free sour cream onion soup mix dip and low-fat mayo and... Low-fat cheese and low-fat Cool Whip and low-fat potato chips or even worse, veggie puffs or fat-free chips that gave you oily poop and light beer and diet strawberry-flavored jello shots. It's the triangle. Again, you can't get away from the triangle. Behind curtain A, or point A on the triangle, is the Brooklyn foodie elite circle jerk. Behind curtain B is the industrial suburban supermarket food fest served unironically. Behind curtain C is the foodiness-infested, faux, and fat-free feeding frenzy. Where to turn? Which corner to retreat to? Which curtain do you draw back, and where is the guarantee that you'll actually get your lifetime supply of riceroni and turtle wax? Did anyone ever actually follow up on that? I mean, how much is a lifetime supply? So Labor Day is upon us, and where does that leave you or me or any of us? So let's get real about it. Starting with real food, circle jerk behind curtain A. If everyone was as cognizant as the co-op circle, park slopey and food barbecue crowd, it would be a better world for sure. But real food people are like fetish fans. You have to be into it to do it. And if you're not into it, that's not what you want to do for Labor Day. You want to eat hamburgers and maybe get blitzed and black out and hook up with that hot friend your old boyfriend has been bringing around or... You don't want to be pondering whether the chicken on the grill came from a plaster, pasture, sorry, or a plant. People who fetishize real food are primarily making a statement. The statement is that we know better and are better than people who don't know better. And this is a position that I endorse wholeheartedly. I'm all about feeling superior. But for the 99%, real food takes the fun out of a party. And a grass-fed hamburger does not taste as good as a fatty, industrialized, corn-fed burger. There, I said it. I'm not ashamed. Of course, 
you've been listening to the show for a long time and you know better and you want people to know that you know better, but you also want to have friends. So curtain A is a problem. Which leads us to curtain B, which is serving up plain old American junk food. Well, this is an option, but with a difference because those people are making a statement that they don't know that they're making. They don't know any better than to eat the crap they eat. That's not the kind of statement you want to make. You want to make the statement that you're eating crap or serving crap, but you know better. And this is a valid option. At least you know it's junk. That's the difference between the grass-fed burger eating us and the fast food burger eating them. That and the fact that we don't have to ride on electric scooters to get around due to our obese nature. Then we get to peeping behind curtain C, which is a foodiness extravaganza of allegedly better foodiness alternatives to food. The soy burgers and the tofu hot dogs and the fat-free chip and the vitamin-enhanced water and the marshmallow-flavored vodka and the soy chips and everything that anyone not listening to Let's Get Real still thinks is healthier. And now know, if you do listen, that it isn't healthy or better. And in fact, in many ways, is way worse than obvious junk food. But you have guests coming whom I look down on you for eating potato chips instead of soy chips or drinking water out of the tap instead of smart water. So in this case, you know better than to serve a bunch of foodiness Labor Day barbecue doppelgangers. But many or even most of your guests may not. So they may look down on you, and you're actually looking down on them. And then it's competition. And then your 35-year-old unmarried neighbor gets drunk off the marshmallow martinis, and she starts hitting on your gay friend, who meanwhile is trying to arrange a hookup on his phone, and half your guests are posting pictures of the party instead of being at the party, and it's all because of foodiness. So curtain C is not an option. It's complicated, isn't it? It's very, very complicated. It's why John Waters can wear a Comme de Garçon outfit and carry it off because we know which curtain he's behind. But if I walked around in those schmatas, I would look like a mental patient with really expensive glasses. So maybe there's a middle way. I mean, after all, that's the whole brand concept of Let's Get Real. To be realistic about food and to make me a household name and the pop culture face of the real food movement and to help turn Chris into the 21st century version of Merv Griffin. You don't have to make a statement or have friends. You can do both. You can do like Chris did this year. He went to Forager's Market, which is this elitist, organic, local market, and he bought his pastured roasted chicken and his grass-fed pork, and his friends brought potato chips and Puerto Rican rum mixed with Kool-Aid. And so he showed that he knew better by leaving the Forager's bags out and by eating potato chips and not soy chips and flavoring the rum with crap instead of buying pre-flavored crap and then getting so drunk he didn't care anymore. You can cook your industrial burgers outside, but drink water from the tap and serve beer and Jack Daniels. And you can leave a Whole Foods bag sitting out as a prop and just let people think that you bought the beef there. Or you can just serve up a whole bunch of real classic American crap food like hot dogs and bad macaroni salad and then post about it on Facebook and say that it was all local and seasonal. You can lie. As long as you know you're lying, it's okay. It's when you don't know you're lying that lies are bad. That's also the difference between us and them. Or you can just relax. Just relax and enjoy those last days of summer and the smug superior knowledge that no matter what you're eating, it's a lot more food than anyone else on the planet will probably see in a month. And that's what makes America great. Or if you're plain old orthorexic like me, you can drink an IPA and eat some popcorn, as long as it's not microwaved. 
and be totally starving but totally superior. And it's okay because I ate before I got here. And remember, as Kate Moss and Weight Watchers have both said, nothing tastes as good as being thin feels. Or nothing tastes as good as being smug or superior feels. And so just remember, as we reach this final peak in the summer triangle, and the days are getting shorter, and the mornings are coming later, and the leaves are starting to change, that if you don't want to eat shit, you better keep tuning in to Let's Get Real, and you better get ready, because Let's Get Real's first-year anniversary episode is coming up in September, and it is going to be insane. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Joe in the control room. Thanks to Chris Nutter, my co-producer. We will see you after Labor Day. Good night. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. HeritageRadioNetwork.org is the most trusted media outlet for real, quality conversations about food. That experience will come to life at our first annual members-only fundraiser party on September 9th from 5 to 8 p.m. at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Enjoy the best food in the world. From talent including Michael Anthony, award-winning chef from Gramercy Tavern, Brooks Headley, award-winning pastry chef from Del Posto, Shauna Pacifico at Back 40 West, sustainable seafood from sea to table, and much more, including drinks made by Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues, craft beer from Greenpoint Harbor Brewery, wine from Cane Vineyard and Winery in the Napa Valley, and plenty more. Radio is back, and this will be a special, exclusive experience in the back garden of Roberta's that you don't want to miss. September 9th, 5 to 8 p.m. Buy tickets at heritageradionetwork.eventbrite.com.